Hey, survivors. You are listening to the Survival Brothers Podcast. We're two brothers trying to help each other prepare for an uncertain future. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Survival Brothers Podcast. This is episode 43. My name is Ethan, and with me, as always, is my older brother, Blair. How you doing, Blair? I'm good. How are you, bro? I'm doing good. And uh, we also have my other older brother as a special guest on the podcast today, and that is Chad. How are you doing, Chad? Hey, Ethan. I'm doing pretty well. Good. We uh, figured we'd make this a, a full family affair, all the brothers on the podcast. So, uh, Blair, why don't you introduce Chad a little bit since you know a little bit about his uh, history and and uh, tell us what experience he brings to the table. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been wanting to do an episode for a while on like cybersecurity. I don't even know if that's the right terminology, but um, I'm kind of ignorant when it comes to this stuff. And uh, Chad has a background in the military as a communications specialist. Um, he was deployed to Afghanistan, did a bunch of cool stuff. Um, made sure. I don't know if I go that far. Well, it's cool to me because I mean, we gotta we gotta be able to communicate. Uh, there's three things you gotta do: you gotta shoot, move, and communicate. So communication's just as important as shooting and moving. Um, so he was a communications specialist. Uh, I don't even know is that the right word title. Um, for a 25 Bravo, it's a an information technology specialist. Information technology specialist. So then Chad um, uh, continued to do that in the Guard, and he's just got all kinds of experience with that, and now he's in the private sector um, doing computer stuff. IT stuff? That's, uh, why, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do and what your uh, bona fides are? You know, um, you got it generally correct, Blair. Uh, in Afghanistan, I mostly uh, fixed computers and made sure that they could connect correctly to the satellites that we used to get internet and um, voice over IP. That's uh, may not be um, super common method of, of communicating in the civilian world, but in the army, pretty much everything communicates over the internet. So. If you don't have that that good connection, um, everything uh, falls apart a little bit in the communications world. So I did that for for quite a quite a while, and then I moved into the um, actual information security aspect. So think when you send something over a, a satellite connection, you want to make sure that that information is secure and. Um, part of my job now is to do that. That's pretty cool. Um, it's kind of beyond me, but I was hoping to to learn from you and maybe our our audience could learn from you as well. Um, yeah. so we're happy to have you. Yeah, we're glad to have you, Chad, and hopefully we can uh, yeah, give tips and tricks to people so that they are more secure on the internet since pretty much everything is uh, on the internet nowadays and it's probably not going away from that anytime soon. So we, uh, again, we're had, we're glad to have you here. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to join you guys on one of these for once. <laughs> yeah. Normally we just don't like you, but you know, when yeah. you're, you have some value to bring. So we're like, Oh, I guess we'll bring you on. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> totally get it. Yeah. Sorry. And any dry humor is, uh, comes across real well in this platform, but uh, we're all, we're all good, uh, good friends, good brothers, good. Uh, we have a good relationship. So um, where do you want to, or do you want to, Blair, do you want to talk a little bit about what's been happening um, in parts of the country first real quick? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we had pretty gnarly windstorm here in Utah. Um, there's trees all over the city. They're just uprooted or blown down people's cars have gotten smashed and buildings have gotten damaged. And I think they were saying it was like a hurricane, like a category three hurricane uh, force winds throughout uh, Utah. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty crazy. And then in California, 
all across the West Coast, actually, pretty much, or up in Oregon as well. There's fires that are just, uh, you know, I saw a picture of a, of a fire, I think, near Fresno, and it just looks like a mushroom cloud. I mean, or like a, you know, a nuke went off or something. It's just this huge ball of smoke. Uh, and I know that's affecting the air quality across, even across Nevada and uh, Idaho and I'm sure Arizona. Uh, Chad, you're you're in Nevada. Uh, you sounds like your skies are a little smoky last couple of days. Uh, yeah, today they've been a little bit more clear, but um, I'd say it's been going on since the fires really got out of control. Is just overall smokiness. Um, it's actually yeah, it's been a few weeks where we're just dealing with really poor air quality in general, and you can see it. You can you can see it when you drive on the highway, and it's just the entire horizon, the uh, the mountains, just hidden behind this this thick layer. It's it's pretty nasty. Yeah, I know a lot of people there. I think there was at one point there was several hundred uh, people that were trapped. I think they were at a lake or at a camping ground. I think in in California, and the fires kind of closed in on them. They had to be rescued out. Um, you know, kind of scary situation, and of course you know, a ton of people have been evacuated from their homes. And, um, one of the, uh, we're, I think we're all somewhat 49ers fans, uh, on the pod or on as brothers, but, uh, one of the 49ers, uh, writers that I follow has been, had been evacuated from his home and he didn't even know if it was still standing after a couple of days of being evacuated. So, uh, definitely a scary situation. Definitely a good reason to have your, uh, bug out bag, your, um, you know, just a, a list of, you know, we talked about it a few, a uh, few episodes ago where to have a list of what you would need to grab if you have, you know, if you only have five minutes to leave, if you only have 15 minutes to leave, if you have half an hour to leave, try to put a list together so you know what you, you've pre-planned what you need to grab. Because I'm sure they had, you know, the fires, they knew they were coming. They probably knew they had, you know, they had at least a, a few hours warning before they had to leave. So um, knowing beforehand what they would need to grab or what they'd want to grab would be, would have been very beneficial instead of just kind of scrambling around, hoping you've grabbed everything. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we've talked a little bit about some of these topics on the podcast before, but we've got quite a few new listeners in the past few weeks. So if there's any topic you want us to go over, um, send us an email at survivalbrotherspodcast at gmail.com or get hold of us on Twitter, uh, serve bros pod, S U R V B R O S P O D and Instagram at uh, survival brothers podcast. Um, we'll be happy to talk about whatever you guys want to hear. Cause this show is for you uh, and your needs. Um, if you don't let us know what you want to hear about, I'm just going to uh, pick the kind of weird quirky topics that I like to talk about, like um, different, you know, bullet calibers and stuff. Which are uh, I always learn from, so I I like talking about that too. But yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. I'd like to hear about the best slingshots for hunting bears. If you don't mind, we could do that. Yeah, well, we weren't really asking you, Chad. So let's move along. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I'm trying to be funny. Chad and I are just two years apart, so we grew up very. close and uh, you know had plenty of sibling rivalries so we i like to to try to have fun but anyway um generally at my expense chad well you beat me up enough when we were young so you know i gotta try to give it back to you over the internet where you can't punch me so (laughs) i don't know if you remember ethan but uh most of the punching was the other side Yes, I'm sure. Nobody oh, believes oh. you. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Uh, Blair, what uh, what did you kind of want to go over with Chad? What were some of the specifics? Um, well, I'm sure Chad will, will know more about what to say, but I, I just had some questions about like what, what we should know about cybersecurity, what kind of practices we should be doing. Um, in our online uh, activities. Um, Do you have 
anything you want to say to start out with Chad, like anything to like an overview? Um, yeah, just to start out, I would say the number one thing you can do to protect yourself online is get yourself a decent antivirus. And I know there's going to be listeners out there who, um, who exclusively use Apple products or, uh, you know, maybe even a few who, uh, who like their Linux machines and they think that they don't have a whole lot to worry about when it comes to, um, to protecting their, their data. But as those things become more popular, they become more, uh, hackers and, and malicious actors become more willing to target those people. Okay. So, yeah, in, in, in any case, you should look into making sure that you have the appropriate um, antivirus solutions, pretty much. Okay, so like I'm, I'm probably going to be buying a new computer in the near future because I've um, been using my wife's and uh, I don't really care for Apple products. But um, so usually, don't they usually come with, with the antivirus thing? Isn't that like good enough or should I look at something else? Uh, Windows Defender generally does come on on uh, on most computers that you might buy for for PCs, um, and it's not bad. But it's also I, I would I would classify it as not good enough, if that makes sense. Like you can you can get by in a lot of ways on the internet if you're if you're just basically not doing anything perhaps some would say stupid don't go downloading movies off of sketchy websites don't be you know getting on the dark web and you know asking if someone will send will uh, sell you crack cocaine or something it's 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 those kinds of things that people do and they get themselves into a little bit of trouble especially if they haven't taking the proper precautions beforehand of uh, protecting themselves. Okay. I'm crossing buying PCP off the dark web, off my list of, of things to prepare yeah. for. See where, where can I find this, the dark web? That's an if interesting I, question. If um, I put my browser on night mode, does that help? <laughs> no. <laughs> do you, do you really want to know the answer? Because I can go, and if you do, I can go I, in depth. Maybe not too in depth. I am genuinely, I'm somewhat curious what that means exactly. Uh, the dark web. I, I've heard that. Um, you know, that's a somewhat common phrase, but I never really knew what that exactly meant. So I don't know if you can do it too. I don't know if in depth is somewhat brief or not. But uh, I guess take as much time as you need. I'll go. I'll go a little bit more general. Then I'll talk about um, the deep web. Instead, the deep web is simply, as simply put as I can, it's websites and places on the internet that are not generally indexed or categorized. That doesn't mean they're illegal. It doesn't mean, and although many of them do promote things that are illegal, uh, it just means that they're not places that you could find by, you know, getting on Google and typing in, you know, XYZ destination. So you'd kind of have to know where to go to find those types? Yeah. So indexed would mean that they're not available on a search engine? Yes, exactly. Okay. That was just an educated guess, so I'm glad I... And what was the other categorized? Is that the other term you used? Yeah. Is that so kind it, of the same thing? Hey, Chad. Uh, pretty much the same thing, yeah. Hey, Chad, don't, don't give Ethan too much instruction on here because he's going to go to the dark web and put a hit out on you. <laughs> is that something I can do? No, is um, I'm just joking. So like, you'd have to be able to know the, the web address. Like you'd have to know to type in www.pcpforsale.com or something. Well, generally speaking, it's not going to be a .com address. Okay. Uh, that's one thing for sure. And, and you, you know, you really got to be careful with putting hits out on people too, because um, obviously the FBI is 
you know, has got their agents in the uh, hit websites. Right. Sure Assassinations and things like that. They don't they don't come cheap, first of all, and and they they very rarely come anonymously. So. All right. All right. Well, so um, let's get back to the the antivirus real quick before we go off on too many weird tangents. Is there like uh, an antivirus you recommend? And um, as far as like the only one I've really heard of is McAfee, but I don't know if I want to support that whale humper. (laughs) You're really judgmental, Blair. I didn't know this about you. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, he says that, uh, you know, a 40 ton animal, you know, can consent. I'm not, I'm not sure, but, but is, is, is McAfee like the top of the line or is there something better? McAfee. Um, no, I, I would say no. They've got some interesting software out there for, um, very specific, uh, uh, purposes. So I don't want to get into it too much, but, um, one of the jobs I've had recently used a specific McAfee product. It wasn't their antivirus. It was specifically for um, protecting information. And it, it was really good at what it did. But as far as the antivirus goes, I don't know that I would trust it, mainly because, number one, it is popular in mainstream. So anytime you have something that's popular in mainstream, you have to you have to be careful because those are those are most vulnerable to to people wanting to get past their their security if that makes sense yeah so you're saying i should i should get an um, antivirus that is uh, a little bit more obscure or not as popular you you should you should do your research i'm not going to i'm not going to come out on your podcast and give you any very specific recommendation but um, you need to find with with anything you buy, you know, you need to find the right price point, and does it do what you need? Um, so for everybody, that's going to be a little bit different. So if I'm, you know, if I'm browsing the the deep web, I might want a more effective, you know, as effective as possible, of an antivirus. But if I'm, you know, basically just using my computer to get on Facebook every day. Windows Defender is probably going to be good enough. Okay. That's good so I've got a question. Um, so probably 98% of my internet usage is on my phone uh, through apps, you know, um, most, you know, obviously um, I Google stuff or, you know, all kinds of things. But what – is there anything that I need to do as far as anti – Virus is probably a stupid question. You can't get a virus on your phone, can you? Or is that you absolutely you? can. You absolutely can. Um, I don't want to. I don't want anyone to worry too much because, uh, of course, Android and Apple and um, Samsung, all these uh, phone companies, they are taking a lot of precautions in their store to make sure that only things that are clean can get downloaded from their app stores. But if you say put a, I don't know, a picture of, you know, a bunch of cats, you know, knocking some yarn around, you you go and you put that on your phone so you can bring it up whenever you feel like it. What if that picture had something on it? You, you really never know. Hmm. Yeah. And it's, I wouldn't say it's super common, but phones are some of the least secure devices that that you can get. In a lot of in a lot of my jobs, I've actually not been allowed to take my phone into places, much less use it hmm. into my work into my workspace. So, is there an, is there something like an antivirus that you can have on your phone, or? I guess I've never heard of that being a, an issue. Um, yes. So the the antivirus that I use does come with uh, an app that I downloaded on my Android, and I trust it well enough. 
but with anything, you really got to be, you got to know what you're getting into when you go to any website. Okay. So yeah, and make sure, I'm guessing if you're downloading like weird game apps or something. Yes. To be careful uh, that it's yeah, a just be careful. reputable uh, source, I guess. Yes. And if, and if it's coming from the Android the or the, what do they call it? The Google Play Store, I want to say, if you're on Android or the Apple Store, I think, for Apple devices. Um, if it's coming directly from there, you're, you're probably not in a whole lot of trouble. And, you know, quite frankly, I, I think I overstated a little bit earlier, too. Um, if you're if you're browsing the Internet and you wanted to go to, I don't know, dictionary.com or something, even if you've never been there before, you can generally trust that your browser is going to take you there safely. Um, a lot of people may have noticed over the past couple of years the whole that whole HTTP thing at the front of their web addresses has changed over to HTTPS. And they they may have also noticed at the top of their web browsers a little lock symbol next to the web address. These, these things are put in place to make sure that the users know that they're, they're browsing securely. Okay. So when I'm on my phone and I say I'm at a McDonald's or, or something. So if I go to connect to like a McDonald's Wi-Fi, my phone always pops up saying uh, you're trying to connect to an unsecured um, internet connection, I think. Something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Is that something I need to be worried about when I try to get onto the Wi-Fi of like a random business? Let me Let me put it this way. If you are going to get on the McDonald's Wi-Fi and just surf the web, um, I would keep, say, say McDonald's for instance, or, or an airport, or you know whatever it happens to be. If if there is no password, and even in some cases, if there is, keep your time on the internet short, or use a VPN. Okay. And for those who may not know, a VPN is a virtual private network, which um, I can go more in depth about that a little bit later. I think, Blair, you were going to yeah, ask a question you, that would lead into that. A, a VPN on your phone? I didn't, I didn't realize that. I thought it was, I don't know, I guess I didn't, didn't know much about it to begin with. but Yeah, 100%. Um, there's, we live in, in, such a fantastic futuristic age. <laughs> it's it's really great for uh, for internet security in general. Um, obviously, specifics. You know, if if we're getting billions upon billions of attacks from you know from other countries on your business, it's a different story. But uh, for the average user, I would say the internet probably has never been safer. But you, you still do have to think about about certain things and and connecting to an unsecured Wi-Fi spot, such as at a McDonald's, you wouldn't want to do your work there. But if you're getting on for ten minutes or whatever, you're probably pretty safe. You're you're probably fine. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, it always kind of scares me that it pops it up like that, but I usually just do it anyway because I want to browse Facebook or something. But in I'm most cases, on, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say I'm probably more dan in danger on Facebook than on the Wi-Fi, or at least my data. <laughs> this is true, and yeah, that's uh, that's a different topic we can go over. Right. <laughs> yeah. Again. the The thing that I want to remind you guys about, um, and your listeners, is internet security is a rabbit hole of just endless, endless research. You can find out a million ways that you're vulnerable and a million solutions to those ways and making sure that you know you're safe. But yeah, I don't want to get bogged down in, in specifics unless you guys have very specific questions. So, Well, just give me like 
give me a down and dirty. Like is, is getting a VPN, is it worth it? Is it, uh, is it something I should think about? Um, it depends on which, it depends on what you're going for, to be completely honest with you. Um, first, let me explain what a VPN is real quick. Yeah, yeah. Because some people may have been working from home um, over the past, you know, however long it's been, six months since this COVID crisis went on. And what they've been asked to do is connect to their, their company's VPN. They may not know what that means. I know that when I first heard the, um, the of the concept, I I wasn't really sure. I, it took research for me, and it took um, a willingness to figure it figure out what uh, what the concept was and whether or not I wanted to get into um, that specific of a line of work. Because when I first started out, obviously all I did was fix computers, but getting into the internet security side of things. Yeah, you find out what a VPN is, and and really all it is is a it's another barrier that you can put between your computer and your web traffic, and it's something that maybe you don't need if you're not doing anything that requires specific protection. Like if your work asks you to get on your you know, onto their VPN, it's probably because you're you're looking at your company's proprietary information. So they want you to connect to their network securely. That makes sense. Yeah, so they'll they'll set up a VPN, which all it does is it takes it takes your internet traffic and it directs it to a different server that your ISP can't read, your internet service provider can't read. That's because it encrypts the data that you send and it decrypts it at the server side. And then it sends you back the information that you requested um, encrypted and only you and your computer can decrypt it. So your ISP is, it knows that information is passing, but it, it can't read it. That sounds complicated. But it's <laughs> the process is complicated. The concept really isn't all that isn't yeah. too bad. So there are VPN services out there, basically, and I've used a, a VPN briefly before on a computer. Um, and basically, it seemed like it was just it's like you have another computer somewhere else. This kind of, and I don't know if that's a good way to explain it, but uh, it's almost it's almost like you're doing your searching through a different computer that's located somewhere else so that they it doesn't track to your computer, basically. So as far as if you're trying to do something that's um, you'd want to be protected or you just don't want to be tracked, for, you know, just in general, uh, it seems like it's a good idea for those, those things. Yeah. It's one of, it's one of a couple ways you can protect your traffic from being, um, pride upon. Do you think, um, so I've had like, you know, my, my debit card kind of like, um, hacked or, or used somehow in the past. Um, would a VPN like help protect like, you know, online purchases and stuff? Uh, kind of, um, so still for, probably... for a lot of that, you're That's... relying on the security of the website itself, right? Okay. So if you say you get on Amazon.com, okay, and you have your debit card information stored on Amazon, well, Amazon is, is storing all that stuff in an encrypted private database that, yeah, it, it is vulnerable to to attack because it is connected to the internet. Anything, anytime you're connected to the internet, you um, are technically vulnerable. But the encryption software that they use is very difficult to pierce through. So you might hear a lot of times about um, about a, a massive attack that 
got all of, you know, thousands or millions of people's information. But it's it's really hard to say that they'll they'll be able to use it unless they happen to already know you specifically and know how to uh, to track down your specific debit card information. So when I think Wendy's was hacked like a few years ago, and then like Equifax had that big breach uh, a few years ago. So we sh- shouldn't be as worried as it kind of made it sound. Is that what I'm hearing or? Mm, no, not exactly. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not explaining this correctly. No, but... I, it's probably me. <clears throat> The, the big issue with things like that is that if hackers have access to all of this information, they can absolutely start going down other lists and cross-referencing that information to put people's information in danger. Okay. Does that make a little bit more sense? Yeah. So what, what would be the best way if we hear that, you know, something like Equifax or something like, say, your bank website uh, happened to get hacked or not bank website. Let's do something less uh, uh, like uh, just maybe a, a website you like to shop from. Say they send you an email, say, hey, let, just we want to let you know our our website's been compromised and that website had you know, you had bought stuff through that website. So there's potentially they have your card information. They might have a, a username or an email and a password. What could you, what should you do? What steps should you take after that point? Um, first thing as always is just to let your bank know, um, especially if, if the hackers now have access to bank account information. Um, so that's, that's always going to be a big deal. You're also going to want to change your password in that case for that site. Never a bad idea. And even though, again, that password's probably encrypted, but the thing is, like, most people don't really use super complex passwords. And a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people use passwords that are very common. So I shouldn't, so when I change, I shouldn't go from password one to password two. That would be a very bad idea. One, two, three, four. What is that? What some idiot puts on his luggage? (laughs) I I butchered that quote from Spaceballs, but... Classic quote, though. Yeah. No, that's good. We we make fun of that quote all the time. (laughs) It's fun. It really is. Uh, What... Do you have password recommendations? Um, Oh, gosh, yeah. Okay, what uh, is there something else you wanted to cover on that, Blair, before we move on? No, um, I think Chad helped me uh, understand that a little bit better. Um, cool. I think password, yeah, the password discussion will be really interesting because everybody has, you know, multiple passwords. So uh, tell us about passwords, Chad. And and while you're um, I guess one question to answer while you're talking about passwords, I guess, is is how important it would be to keep different passwords for different things, if that's important, because I would say, I mean, I have like two or three main passwords that I use for 99% of, you know, between banks and Facebook and, you know, Twitter and all these things. I, I probably have three main passwords, if that. Uh, and well, probably two of them are probably 80% of my passwords. Um, Okay. So I will get into that for sure. So as far as passwords go, most people would prefer that their passwords just be um, simple and easy to remember and, you know, not necessarily short or complex, but recently, especially in the past, uh, 15, 20 years as internet security, you know, is taken seriously by, by businesses and of course by online websites such as Facebook or Amazon. Um, they've started introducing complexity requirements. 
the unfortunate thing about this is that complexity isn't really a big deal. So adding an asterisk or a parenthesis to your to your password all by itself it actually it actually doesn't do anything especially with the speed of today's computers the better thing to do would make your passwords longer and when i say longer i'm not talking about like you know 10 characters instead of 8 i'm talking about 16 or more wow yeah an eight character password <laughs> um, can be can be cracked by probably you know a pretty simple computer in a matter of days okay i I can go into how exactly that's possible, but it's it it goes over that that uh, instance that we talked about earlier about like um, a large scale account hack. So say your your shopping website got hacked and now these hackers have all these millions of account stuff, but all of those passwords hopefully are still encrypted. And I say hopefully in that because that's why I'm gonna get into why you should keep different passwords. <laughs> it's because not always. But if your passwords are encrypted, then what they're gonna start doing is um, a dictionary attack which means they're going to take a, a nice long list of the most common types of passwords. So say your password is capital P, the at sign, two dollar signs, W, zero, R, D, right? Very, very common. So they're going to put that into uh, basically the, the algorithm that uh, websites would use to encrypt, a hacker is going to take that specific password and they're going to use that that algorithm to hash it out. And then they're going to find the accounts that have that specific password. And then suddenly they've got your login information. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. One question, I guess, is, well, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot to it. So never, I'll... I'll let you keep going. There's, yeah, there's a ton. But once once you pass the dictionary attack, then they start moving on to brute force attacks. And all that really consists of is taking um, your any any eight characters, any eight characters. So what is it? 26 lowercase, 26 uppercase, and 10 digits is 62 possible characters. And then maybe if you add the special characters, you're adding another 10, so 72 possibilities at each position. For an eight character password, that's, I wanna say like 700 trillion possibilities. Well, that sounds like a lot, but it's, it's tiny. It's ridiculous. 700 trillion is tiny. You heard it here, folks. In terms our, of our natural debt is doing great. <laughs> that's yeah, no, that's fair. But in terms of computing speed, when your computer at home is processing um, is processing information in terms of billions of uh, what would you say, like a calculation, right? Because that's what a computer is. It's just it's basically just a very intense calculator. It's it's computing at billions of things per second. Okay. So in that, you know, in, in that uh, in that way, seven hundred trillion is tiny. But if you add, instead of a special character, say you add just one normal character, so taking it from eight to nine. Guess what? That's now 13 quadrillion possibilities that a brute force attack would have to get through. Wow. Just one character. That's interesting. Okay. How, how so, often could I, I change my password? Because like, it's really kind of annoying. Like at work, I've got to 
change it like every three months and i've i've heard that's not really necessary is that true it's 100 percent true i'll i'll tell you and your listeners the only time that you should change your password is if you suspect that your password's been compromised that's good to know and if i have a, a 16 character password it's not very likely that it's going to be compromised um well, it depends. So we will get into, so some websites, they store your password in a, uh, on, on a server somewhere that has not encrypted the passwords and isn't very well protected itself. So part of the reason that, yeah, you want to make sure that, uh, that you're using different passwords for most websites is that any one of these websites could be doing the wrong thing and not protecting your data as well as they could. So like there are um, passwords that I have for stuff that I feel is not really important. Like, I don't know, my password to get onto my um, chess playing app on my phone. It's just, a stupid little password that I, I use for a lot of stuff like that. Um, but then if I, if I'm making a password for like my bank or like my email, like something I, I really, I, I'm more in danger of, I guess I, I make it more complex. Is that, is that a bad strategy? It, that is actually a great question. Um, it really is only a bad strategy if you ever use that that simple password in something that is important in any way. So if it's just a, a little chess playing app, and, and it's and like, I don't, oh, I don't, care. I don't make I don't make any purchases on like the, the chess playing app or anything, but right, or even it would be important to not even input your your um, credit card data. Yeah, yeah. Even if you don't make purchases, a lot of places are requiring a credit card information just to sign up for an account, which um, I think is is a really bad idea in general, but there's not a whole lot you can do about it. If you ever have an account like that, that would be when it's important to um, create a, a, a specific and longer password for it. Now, maybe you're thinking, but how do I remember all of these passwords? Chad, how do I remember all these passwords? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple of things that you could do so that you don't have to remember them, or or at least that you don't have to remember as much. Um, the, the biggest thing that I would recommend is just getting yourself a, uh, a little password database. Password database. Or, no, there's a more common usage for it, but like a... Wait, do I have to have a password to get into my password database? Uh, yes. Yeah, very much so. Can my password database be a uh, wide-ruled notebook? No. It... No, <laughs> definitely not. What if I hide it under my mattress? I would say that that's one of the top five places. Maybe not the first place I would look, but probably top five if I were looking for valuable, for anything valuable of yours to steal in your home. What if I cut out my least favorite book and I folded up a piece of paper and put it in that book. It's actually not bad. All right. I probably wouldn't find it if you have a large book collection. I just have a post-it note on my my desk with my password on it. <laughs> okay. And see, we're we're getting into the reason that you shouldn't have to change your password very often because a lot of people will do that when they have to change their password every three months. They will take shortcuts. And this is completely understandable information. People just want to get their work done. They want to get on their computer and, and have as few delays as possible. So 
when your workplace or your uh, or your web um, or your website is requiring you to to change your password every three months, you're going to take shortcuts such as writing down your new password and keeping it on you until you're back in the habit. But then, you know, maybe you don't shred the little sticky note when you're done. <laughs> or maybe maybe the password that you change it to is only like a digit off. Right? So instead of being password one, like Ethan said, you, you go on to password two or something like that. All of these things contribute to make passwords less secure when you force um, minimum age requirements, or I'm sorry, maximum age requirements. Yeah, I wish I wish you would talk to my employer about this because it's super annoying to change it every three months. Yeah, it is, and it's and it's going to continue to be. But the uh, National Institute for Standards and Technology, which is a government. Uh, I want to say it's a government organization, but could, it could just be subsidized by the government. Um, that's something that that they should be listening to to get their their most up to date information technology tips. You know, and the NIST has been saying since I want to say 2017 that 90 day password expiration requirements, or even longer, like a year, it's really unnecessary. You you don't force your your users to change your password unless you think that their um, accounts have been compromised. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, now that you know, I never would have thought of that. But um, but yeah, if, especially if you're writing things down or you're just getting things, you're just changing it by one number. If someone found out your password and they know that you know, you use that password three months ago, then it's likely they would just try yeah, the next number or, uh, you know, something like that. So exactly. Makes yeah. sense. Hey, can we go back to the password database? Um, that kind of confused me. I've, I mean, I've heard of people who have like an app or something where they like keep their passwords in it or like a program on their phone. Um, like, like what do you use if you, if you want to tell us and, and is yeah. it safe? Sure thing. I uh, I actually have a password manager through my antivirus. They provided one um, as well, and it's uh, it's very secure. As far as as far as all the research that I've done, so a decent password manager you can find uh, just you know go into Google or any search engine, just look up where to get a good password manager, and there's a lot of really good ones that are just freely available for use. Um, if you would like to do what what Ethan suggested and write it all down on a piece of paper, which you only store in a book, you know, underneath your house or something, <laughs> it's um, yeah. I mean, you can do that too if if you think that that's not somewhere that anyone would look for anything of yours that could be valuable. So forgive forgive me because I'm I'm an idiot um, when it comes to this stuff but I have to have a password to get into my password database. That one, you just remember. Um, is it is it likely that someone's going to like hack into your password database and just get all your passwords? And, and how do you remember the password to your password database? Well, I can, I can tell you how best to create a memorable password. Okay. We'll go into that first. And then as far as trusting your password manager or your password database, um, it really just comes down to research. So I know, I know, for instance, that uh, my antivirus, their, their database of password managers <laughs> has not been, has not been attacked or perhaps it has been attacked, but it hasn't been, um, there's, there hasn't been a vulnerability that's been found. So in that case, your your password manager password would come down to how easy to guess your regular password is. In terms of creating a password that's memorable, 
I can tell you a pretty common method. It's not the method that, that I've used. I use a, a keyboard pattern and then plus a website specific um, word or phrase. But a lot of people, <laughs> what you can do is just head on over to uh, randomwordgenerator.com or dictionary.com or you know whatever you can and just pick out four or five words that are just four characters long each and arrange them in a sentence. You're basically creating a passphrase instead of a password. And if you can form a sentence with those four or five words, then you know not only what's in your password, but also the order they go in. And as long as you never say that sentence out loud, you know, nobody can possibly guess it because it was created randomly. You can go a little bit further, and because websites do usually require a number and a special character, like a like a symbol, like the at symbol, um, you could randomly pick numbers as well, and and those symbols as well, and just put them in to your original sentence. And eventually you'll have something that's both random and difficult to guess, but easy to remember. And that's something that I like to call um, my password frame. I can give you an example if you want, but I feel like... Uh, I think we get... Just the, let uh, me know if you get it, yeah. No, you know, that sounds really actually pretty, pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, so if you create your password frame and then all you have to do is modify it based on what account you're on. So say, take Facebook again, why not? You just, you maybe you'll just add FB at the beginning or somewhere in the middle of your password or at the end. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I'm going to, I'm going to try that. Yeah. And if you're, no, if, go ahead. If, the, the big danger still comes from websites that don't store their passwords securely. Okay, and that's always going to be a danger. So again, for important websites and websites that you're relatively certain had better be doing things the right way, <laughs> like your bank or any of your social media accounts, it's almost a guarantee that that those passwords are being encrypted. So even if a hacker did get to the database and it's got the encrypted, they call it a hash. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that term. No, a little bit. I've heard, I think I've heard the term hash in like the Bitcoin community. I don't know if that's related. Yeah, it is actually. And that's why Bitcoin is um, so secure is because it's, heavily encrypted. Well, cool. Um, I don't know if, how much longer we want to go. I had, I had one more kind of weird question. Um, should I use a different, uh, more secure or more private browser? Like I've heard DuckDuckGo Duck, Duck is, is a good browser. Um, um, DuckDuckGo is a search engine, as far as I know, not a browser. But you're on, you're basically comparing two things that are very similar. Anyway, your browser and your search engine are your methods for for getting around the internet. And it really depends on what you're trying to hide from. Are you trying to hide from advertisers? Are you trying to hide from malicious actors or your ISP? or the government, although, sorry, I repeat myself. What, <laughs> <laughs> what are you, what are you afraid of pretty much? If you're afraid of advertisements, then I don't really see anything um, wrong with just using DuckDuckGo. Okay. And, and advertisements. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're a little bit creepy. How, um, your search history can be used to sell you products. I'm not in love with the idea. So yeah, I do use DuckDuckGo. 
and I use a, uh, instead of Google Chrome, which is pretty popular, um, I use Firefox instead because it seems as though Firefox is more uh, more sensitive to privacy issues than Google Chrome is. Okay. You should also get in the habit of using the privacy mode or incognito mode of your browser at all times. How would I go about doing that? Um, so for most browsers, um, so you have Google Chrome up, I imagine. I do for this. Yeah. For this podcast. Up in the upper right hand portion of the screen, you might see uh, three dots. Okay, yeah. That's and cool. you can open up a new incognito window from there. Or if you have a shortcut on your desktop, you might be able to right-click and select incognito mode. And there are there are ways to make that the default too with most browsers. Okay. But um, remember that Chrome is is probably um, gathering as much data as it can anyway, and any website that you go to. So even if you're in private mode, if you go to Facebook, Facebook is still um, keeping track of where you pause on your timeline and what ads catch your attention the best cool. and all this information. So these are things to to still keep in mind that just using one solution isn't going to fully protect you. You have to be cognizant at all times about what you're doing on the internet. Got to watch your six at all times. Or have your antivirus do it for you. Okay. Now, if you really wanted to, we could get into the Tor browser. Um. But it's a, that's a really situational or circumstantial thing that I would say most people probably aren't going to necessarily want to worry about. Okay. Well, we usually like to, to keep these uh, not too long. But I think that's definitely a topic I'm, I'm interested in. Maybe we could talk about it another time. Yeah, for sure. And, of course, all of this information, like... Maybe maybe I'm talking about one of these things and, and the information that I'm that I'm spouting is just nonsense to whoever might be listening. If that's the case, I I can't stress enough how important just a basic amount of research is. Um in fact the uh the best um resource that I use is probably Reddit. There are several very good, very knowledgeable, um, extremely talented people on there who are willing to have conversations, who are willing to explain in depth um, security matters. If this is something that you're that you're worried about, you or your listeners, you know, privacy is a big deal to me. Security from uh, from hackers, security from the government, security from advertisers. Yeah, these things are all important to me, and and. I've gone out of my way to learn more about them, and I've I've made it my job to um, protect the companies that I work for. Well, I've been uh, just, you know, naively browsing and and uh, looking stuff up on the internet for the past, you know, however many years. I I kind of just assume now the government already knows everything about me. I would say I would say it's that's creepy, yeah, and it's probably true, but it's pretty unlikely that you have something to worry about necessarily. That obviously doesn't make it right, but you should be you should generally be okay. Just keep keep a couple of things in mind um, for everybody. If you're browsing the internet and you're worried about privacy, then every so often 
you should think, what would happen if my worst enemies knew what I was doing right now? And if the answer is send you to prison, kill you, or some way use the information to ruin your life, then it's possible that you should be taking more precautions <laughs> or stop what you're doing. <laughs> like that's the big thing is don't be stupid on the internet. But if you have to be stupid, if you have to be not necessarily stupid, doing something that, you know, most, most people wouldn't understand or do themselves. It never hurts to take more precautions. Makes sense to me. Uh, one last question, uh, as brief as possible. I know you've mentioned um, Bluetooth on your phone. Uh, I know. I think you've recommended to me to keep it off uh, anytime I'm not using it. Basically, can you uh, briefly expound on that? Like, give a uh, quick, quick notes version. Okay. Um, if possible. Yeah, I'm going to try to keep this brief. And the way I'm going to keep it brief is by telling you that the information that I have about Bluetooth is a couple of years old. So it might be more secure now. In fact, I, I wouldn't doubt it at all. I wouldn't be surprised at all to find out that Bluetooth is perfectly fine to use. But it's just another one of those things. If you're worried about security, um, do your research. Yeah. Do your <laughs> research and find out. But if... You know, if you'd rather take a better safe than sorry approach, yeah, do what I do and just turn it off. Okay, cool. That uh, that works. Yeah, I I listen to podcasts or music all day through Bluetooth uh, while I'm at work, but um, I try to turn it off when I'm done with work. It I don't always uh, do so, but I need to do probably some research on that. And then uh, while I'm doing that, I'm going to be changing all my passwords. So. There you go. <laughs> 16 characters is like the minimum. Well, I will. Uh, that sounds like a lot, but I will. I'll do it. It's it's easier than it sounds once you create the frame. Yeah. No, you're right. Definitely going through that. And I want to I want to say one last thing before um, uh, before I, you know, let you guys go. <laughs> pretty much is don't make yourself a target. It would be the other thing. And by make yourself a target, I mean don't publicly reveal information about yourself that people find valuable. Okay. So I've heard like, you know, while you're on vacation, you know, don't be posting on Facebook that you're on vacation because that means huge. that tells your whole friends list that your house is empty. Things yeah, like it's that. It's huge. And that's, I mean, kind of in the prepper community, that's kind of something that you should be trying to do anyway. You shouldn't be, you know, telling all your friends about all the guns you have and and telling, you know, telling everybody you know that you've got a cash somewhere or, you know, all kinds of you know, stuff like that. Yeah, you guys, you guys talk a lot about um, owning silver uh, or other precious metals, things like that. Um, that's another thing. Like, by all means, that's a good idea, but don't don't talk about it to people. The first rule of survival club is don't talk about survival club. Exactly. The second rule of survival <laughs> club: don't talk about survival club. <laughs> you you've got it pretty much on the head there, Blair. Cool. Thanks for uh, doing this, Chad. This is probably one of the best. I think one of the most useful episodes we've had, at least for me. Um, well, I'm really glad. Um, and I, I, I would definitely say that, you know, don't take anything that I've said just because I've said it. You, you really got to go out there and do your research. You really got to be confident on the web. Um, and that's hard to do until you know that you've got the antivirus that works for your purposes, until you know that you've got the VPN that works for your purposes, things like that. Well, Chad, if that is your real name, um, we appreciate you being here. <laughs> and uh, uh, Blair, I think that you you said that it's one of the most uh, knowledgeable or uh, how'd you put it? Sorry. 
I I'm not sure what you're saying. Sorry. Basically, you you said it's a it's an episode that you got a lot of knowledge out of. It might yeah. be. But yeah. I think to you, you're usually the one giving the information. So to me, I'm always learning from you, and now I'm get to learn from Chad. So I feel like I'm just a just a recipient of a lot of knowledge. So um, I appreciate you both, and Chad, I just I'm uh, happy you came on, and I learned a lot. Don't be like water. Be like sponge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, before we before we go, I would like to take this opportunity uh, for a uh, uh, a plug for our what's it called, Ethan? Our Patreon. Patreon. Uh, Patreon dot com forward slash survivalbrothers.com. I've been kind of bad. I haven't um, survival brothers podcast. What did I say? You said Survival Brothers. You said patreon.com forward slash survivalbrothers.com. Okay. <laughs> it's late. Um, it's getting late. Anyway, I've, I haven't I have actually added anything to there in a, in a week or two, but um, I will do so this week, I promise. If you, if you go on there, you're going to get extra content that you won't get on the podcast. Um, and uh, I'll be uploading an article there this week. And uh, if you could really help, if you could help us out there, we'd, we'd really appreciate it. It's $3 a month or 75 cents an episode. Yes, we would. And we'd appreciate it if you would uh, share the podcast with your friends, uh, let them know uh, you're getting a lot of good information. And uh, if you want to rate and review the podcast, uh, you can review on Apple podcasts and subscribe. We would appreciate it. Yeah. I'm going to, um, Skip the prepper product of the week this week just because we've been going long. But I will leave you with a liberty quote since we are all libertarians on this podcast. Um, I think Chad made that abundantly clear. Um, oh, I was trying to be a little bit subtle about it. <laughs> okay, so this one is from a feller named uh, Frederick Bastiat. You guys know about him? I have heard. The good word. Mm, yes. One of my favorite 19th century philosophers. I think, yeah, maybe maybe around the turn of the 18th, 19th, something like that. That's, that's just a joke, but yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I lost it. I had it on my, I had it up and now I don't have it. I'm failing today. This is uh this comes with information security. You need to secure your information both publicly and privately and then you'll be okay. Okay, okay, I got it now. Frederick Bastiat, we disapprove of state education. Then the socialists say that we are opposed to any education. We object to a state religion. Then the socialists say that we want no religion at all. We object to a state enforced equality. And they say that we are against equality, and so on and so on. It is as if the socialists were to accuse us of not wanting persons to eat because we do not want the state to raise grain. So that just uh, kind of explains the philosophy of liberty that uh, we still want you know, to have good things. We still want to help people. We just don't want a centralized authority doing it. So um, that sums it up. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, good talking to you, to my bros. We will see you next week. Yep. Take nothing for granted. <laughs>